Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of I Just Blank Now What? The podcast. It's me, Jessica, your host. And today we are going into the vault (laughs) and pulling up an episode that actually got recorded way back in season one, but for reasons never got aired. And so we are sharing it now here in season two because this story really definitely needs to be out there for people to learn more about fibromyalgia as well as something really interesting as it relates to Dr. Helen's story. So a little bit about my guest, Dr. Helen Perriman Zyral, PhD college professor, is also engaged in facilitating webinars and individual and group intergenerational spirit journey intervention. She provides individual, group, and organization solutions through consultation, customized programs, seminars, and has been advising associates, organizations, companies, government agencies, and private clients since 1990. Dr. Thyral's primary focus is the convergence of embodied energy and intergenerational spirit injury along the maternal line. Her webinars, workshops, presentations, and online school facilitates heal and recover an individual, organizational, and environmental trauma that fosters body, mind, and spirit and wellness. So without further ado, we're going to jump in. We're going to hear from Dr. Helen as she talks about her experience of having fibromyalgia and what that led her to discover about her intergenerational spirit injury through her mother's line. So let's get to the now what. Have you ever had a situation happen in your life that you weren't expecting, good or bad, and said to yourself or out loud, oh my gosh, I just fill in the blank. Now what? Me too, friend. Me too. I've had quite a few actually. And in the moment, I never knew what I was going to do next. Of course, I had to figure it out sometimes the hard way, but I did figure it out. So join me and some amazing guests this season as we all share our own I just blank now what stories so we can all learn from their transformational lessons to help us all answer that lifelong and often paralyzing question, now what? All right. Well, hello, Dr. Helen. How are you? I am great, Jessica. Excellent, excellent. Well, first off, thank you so much for joining me today. I am really excited about our topic because it is something that I know nothing about. So it it really is fun for me to like learn these new things. So before we get into your story, why don't you just tell the audience just a little bit about yourself? Who is Dr. Helen Azarel? I am... Currently a full-time professor at one of the colleges in Toronto. I teach gen ed courses and stress management and healthy lifestyle management and research skills and global citizenship. And also on the side, have a bit of a side hustle that is really my passion. Yeah, like so many of us, right? We, we have the main gig and then the side gig, who I'm sure all of us are passionately working towards having that be the main thing. So I know that's true for you. 
But today we're actually going to be talking about, you know, something actually kind of connected to the work that you're doing in your side hustle. So this is a perfect segue over. So the story that you're sharing with everybody today is I just got diagnosed with fibromyalgia again. Now what? So this, as I said, is a topic that I know very little about. So I'm really excited for you to kind of unpack this for everybody. So, you know, before we get into your story, or I'm sure it's part going to be part of your story, what is fibromyalgia for those who, who are listening and don't know? I was diagnosed back, I won't say how many decades ago. I was in my 20s. Okay. And I, I, I was out shopping with my mother and I attempted to write a check but realized that I couldn't quite write the check. That'll tell you how long ago it was, right? Because I don't write checks in stores these days. And I couldn't write it. And I went to my GP, who happened to be a guy, which is an important piece here. Okay. uh, Because I found subsequently that there was a period of time when men, male physicians, did not give much credence to fibromyalgia. But when I went to him, he he diagnosed me. He was a great diagnostician. And he said, oh, you have fibrositis. And so he gave me some medication. And I was pretty much A-OK. You know, I mean, I had a little bit of sort of tingling in my right hand. It just didn't seem to go away, but wasn't that critical. And I just kind of put it on the back burner, forgot about it, went on with my life. And guess what? Many years later, it reared its head again. And when it reared its head again, it was in the early 2000s. And that time it was diagnosed as fibromyalgia. And I was told that fibrositis is what it used to be called. So that was the shift, right? And I went to someone who practiced traditional Chinese medicine and he did some acupuncture. And again, it was okay. Then sadly, my mom passed. And on the anniversary of her birthday, a year or so after she passed, I had another bout. Again, more acupuncture. And then the third time I was in my graduate program, I'd started my doctorate. And right off the bat, I I went from being a full-time administrator to full-time student. So that for me, I guess, was a little scary. And probably a little stressful as well. Serious stress because, you know, I started asking myself, are you crazy? You had, you know, a nice job. You were making, you know, a good salary. You were getting to travel on the expense of the, of the college. I was working with the college, but not here overseas. So I was, you know, traveling and staying in hotels, not, not that it was a free ride, but, you know, I was going to conferences and sometimes I'd bump my, my, my uh, travel up to first class and, you know, I'd sit and extend your stay, so see the country, see the city. Actually not too much extending my stay. They were pretty, they were about me coming back in good time. So, you know, like I said, I gave all of that up and became a full-time student. And I think it was, like you said, the stress of moving from full-time employment to now full-time student. And as a full-time student, I suddenly realized, hey, wait a minute, money, finance, study, papers, 
do you know what you're getting yourself into? And I guess that was kind of the script that was running in the back of my mind. And within a day or two of the semester starting, I had what I would say at the time was one of the worst episodes of fibromyalgia. I could not use my right hand. I could not raise my right leg unless I lifted it with my arm. It wouldn't raise on its own. And I realized that it wouldn't be a good idea for me to go to class because how was I going to take notes? How was I going to, you know, be in the hustle and bustle of public transit, you know, getting on the subway and, and on and on and on. So I was off for two weeks. And during the two weeks that I was off, I began to do some research and I found out that fibromyalgia is actually something that seems to be more prevalent with women than men and women rather than teenagers. Go figure. So while I was off for the two weeks, I again went and had acupuncture and it worked to a point when my naturopath decided to give to use electrodes attached to the end of the needle, she felt that that was going to kind of, you know, rev up the, the healing process. And it actually did. But while all of that was going on, I started journaling. And I started doing a lot more online research to find out what is this thing called fibromyalgia. And what did you discover? So is it an autoimmune disease? Like what? It, yes. Okay. From, from what I understand of it, it's an autoimmune disease that can be painful for some people. It can be from also what I read, and I cannot call myself an expert in, that, in this realm, but from what I read, it's an autoimmune disease that seems to be exacerbated by toxins in the body and in the environment and also what we consume. So when I had my, my bouts, I was encouraged to stay away from the nightshade vegetables, which I did, and to minimize my, I, I'm not a drinker, but to minimize my coffee and alcohol from time to time, I would have a glass of wine. So I was encouraged to stay away from that and to be really mindful of what I was taking in. But the more I journaled, the more I realized that there were lots of things that I had grown accustomed to that were probably not the best for me from, a, from a, an environmental toxic kind of perspective. So that would be things like perfumes and room deodorizers, all of that sort of stuff. So I All those to- personal care products that are filled with toxins that people were unaware of for decades, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And some still, it's amazing the number of people who I interact with as clients who, you know, they can't leave this particular detergent because if I do, it's not going to be, it's not going to smell as clean. It's not going to get my clothes as clean. What can I do? I can't use anything else on my kitchen sink, but whatever, whatever. I can't use vinegar and, and baking soda when I'm cleaning my kitchen and when I'm cleaning my bathroom, you know, like, how can I do that? It's still going to be germs. So that, that was part of what made me me change and make me realize what I needed to do. But at the same time, I also began to think, well, maybe there's something in me that's causing me to have it three times. So I I wonder, 
is there something that is embedded in me? Is there something that I may have not so much inherited, but was there something I may have? Yeah, I, I guess I'd say embodied as opposed to embed. Was there something embodied in me that began in my childhood? Was there something about my mother's life experience that I also embodied? And the more I got into all of these questions and the more I began to journal, the more I began to think, well, maybe there really is something. Maybe there's something that I embodied from my mom that she embodied from her mom and on and on and on. So I came up with the concept. Originally, I was looking at it from the standpoint of intergenerational trauma. And I'm saying, well, maybe that's what led to me having my fibromyalgia. But the more I got into it and the more I journaled, the more I realized it's not so much trauma as it is spirit injury. So that's how I came up with the concept of intergenerational spirit injury along the matrilineal line, because our first home is our mother's womb. So what, what do we embody from that first home that we're in that we continue to add to as we continue with our life, our life journey? Wow. Okay. So your repeated episodes of fibromyalgia essentially inspired you to go down this path and that became the the focus of your PhD. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So unpack some of this for us. Tell us a little bit more about this process that you call inter-spiritual. Intergenerational. In, intergenerational. Yeah. <laughs> Not a problem. Uh, well, I, as I was working on my dissertation, I began to think what resources can I find that might expand my knowledge and give me some, some further insight? And as I did so, I came across chakras. And I realized that the seven main chakras really affect us at different points in our life. The first one, the root chakra, is embedded in us or embodied in us from conception to about 18 months of age. So so the question is, what did we pick up? What was the energy that we picked up in that first home that we were in? Mm -hmm. Was our mother in a happy union? Was it a situation where she was being raped? Was it incest? Was there poverty? Was there some kind of abuse that she was dealing with? So what was the energy that we embodied since we're so close to our mother's heartbeat for those months that were in her her womb? And the more I looked at that kind of energy, the more I realized, yeah, we, we all have some very, very significant pieces that we need to unpack and deal with. Okay, so how would someone start unpacking and learning about what they've inherited through this maternal lineage from our mother and grandmother and upward? Like, how how would one start investigating all of that? One of the things that I do is I give people an assessment 
that that looks at the seven main energy centers. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting in looking at the assessment, sometimes just from talking to people, I can get a sense of the energy center that is imbalanced for that individual. And in working with them either one-on-one or in workshops or classes that I have developed, help them to actually become the better self, help them to see what's going on and begin to find ways of becoming the best me that they can be from a, from a wellness perspective. Okay. So obviously this is something that you kind of dove into and investigated and did this, you know, ultimately help you manage your fibromyalgia and did it, has it come back? (laughs) Tell us a little bit more about your own health journey and then, you know, Mm -hmm. where, where this could show up for other people in, you know, it might not be fibromyalgia, but how, how could this be showing up in somebody else's life as it relates Mm -hmm. to illness? Okay. Sometimes illness, but also maybe emotional challenges. Like there's a, there's a woman who, who I'm interacting with as a potential client. And in talking with her, I realized that her challenge is really her heart energy center. Uh, she speaks about not being able to forgive. She speaks about not feeling love. She cries a lot. She enjoys her work, but from, from the standpoint of who she is as an individual, how she shows up as a mother, how she shows up as someone separated from her husband is one who, as I said, is always crying and, and, and seems to have issues with things like uh, forgiveness and feels like she's not loved. So she, she's really having some issues with that part of herself. And then there's another, another person who has issues with personal power, which is another energy center. And with that, it's um, that she's not being able to hang on to a job. She's always shifting from one job to the next. And it's never something that she has done. It's what somebody else did. So this person did such and such. So I needed to leave that job because I, I didn't like the job anymore, whether it was a full-time job or part-time job. I just have to get away from that because, you know, that person's not nice to me. And, you know, I spoke to the boss and the boss isn't helping me and on and on and on. And in looking at this person and having them, having her do an assessment, found out that her issue is really her personal power. She lacks personal power. And it's in these other ways. Yeah. So this intergenerational spirit injury can actually manifest in a number of different ways in, in people. Um, so how, what would be like one of the first kind of indicators or clues that somebody might be impacted by this in, in an area of their life? Like what would be some, a few things that you would say, Hey, start looking for these clues. It could mean this. That to be honest, it is, is the $64,000 question, right? <laughs> I don't think that that people tap into that. So so I have to kind of nudge them mm-hmm. to kind of help them to see. And, and sometimes I do it through maybe a healing circle or a conversation and, and get them to do an assessment if possible. And it's this, the assessment 
that sometimes confirms what I'm already feeling about that individual. That you're intuitively feeling. Because, because of what I've studied over the years, mm-hmm. and, and again, because of my own experience, right? I, I would have to say, I, I don't, would, would I say it's intuitive as much as what I've studied for my doctorate, but what I've studied since which I've, I've really expanded my mind and, and reached out to get as much information as I can about the seven energy centers and how they show up. And what are the, some people refer to them as traumas. I don't like to call it traumas, but there are people who refer to each of the chakras and the traumas associated with those chakras. And, and it's prevalent if, you, if you've studied it, you can see it. Mm-hmm. It's just that the individual doesn't recognize it because the individual may be doing other things to get by. Got it. So those other things might be um, hoarding. It might be not not able to manage finances. It might be the way the person eats. It might be, you know, having had, I must have a glass of wine every night. It could be any of those things. It could be even the relationship that the person is in. Yeah, they've created a coping mechanism. Exactly. Got it. All right. So I'm really interested to kind of circle back to you and how learning about this helps you with your fibromyalgia and, and, and this autoimmune disease that Mm -hmm. you had, like, what did you do once you kind of like started down this rabbit hole and started learning about your own, you know, ancestral (laughs) injuries and yeah. How did this impact you? I went on a journey of detoxifying and, and looking at what I was eating and having more organic foods. I, I went on a journey of trying to meditate more. I went on a journey of being mindful of when I'm stressed. And uh, I think the biggest thing for me, I did have one bout perhaps in the maybe 10 years ago and again had acupuncture and, and it got better. Mm-hmm. But uh, then it was also because of stress. And I, th- I think I see that that's a trigger for me. Mm-hmm. And that what I personally need to do is to meditate and to find ways to de-stress myself. I also, as I said, realize that I need to detoxify my environment. So my, my state of mind, my adrenals, my stress level what I'm eating, what I'm using, what I'm putting on my body. So I, I, the more I am aware of that and the more I manage that, the less I have the fibromyalgia symptoms. I, I don't have them anymore. So I'm hoping that everything I'm doing is right, that I'm yeah. in the getting rid of things, detoxifying my environment, everything that I use for cleaning and so on and so forth. All of it is from an environmental detoxifying perspective. And what did you learn about your past, you know, through, you know, your time in your mother's womb and and hers that kind of that you were able to, for lack of a better term, rectify or acknowledge that that helped, you know, using this technique as part of your, you know, detoxifying journey? What did you learn about yourself or your, you know, your past? I think, interestingly enough, I think one of the things that I learned, and, and this was part of the doctoral journey, writing the thesis or the dissertation, 
I think one of the things that I learned was how my mother viewed herself and how people around her, how they questioned me as to whether I was her child because my complexion, yeah, is a little darker than hers. And even though, you know, I'm the same complexion, I'm deceased as well, the same complexion as my dad, but people would ask her when I was a baby if I was hers. So I think I heard that story, right? I, I didn't question it until many years later when I was around 10 or so. And I kept asking both my parents if I was adopted. So I think it, it wasn't so much that she didn't love me, but I think maybe what she was getting from others, I, I don't think it was necessarily in her womb, but as a, as a toddler, as a, as a baby, as, as an infant, yeah. around, I think I heard those those questioning comments from people. And, and if, I, if I go back to my maternal grandmother, she had six children. She was married to my, my maternal grandfather who, who was mixed. And so he looked more white than not. And I never thought of him as anything other than my grandfather. But who knows what she embodied as she carried her six children as she thought in terms of how do I protect these children? How do I teach these children? How do, you know, like the many questions that she may have had. And then what did my mother in turn internalize as, a, as she grew up and what was in her and, and how did she react when I was a toddler and heard people raising those questions. So all of that is what was bubbling up in me when I began to talk about this was when I was about 10. So that's another energy center. That's the throat. And look at the number of women who have throat issues from thyroid problems, which I have, to sore throats, tonsillitis, because we really have challenges speaking our truth. Oh, wow. I didn't realize that that is actually more common in women than men. So that's really interesting. So you also mentioned that fibromyalgia is actually um, associated as a women's issue and illness. Why do you think that is? That's an interesting question, Jesse. That's something I really should have investigated. I I did look at another colleague who studied, her, her focus was fibromyalgia. And I have her dissertation, I should, a rough copy. I should actually look at it, but I've had so much going on my own mind that I didn't take the time to look at it. But that's a good question. You've got me questioning. Yeah, because it would be interesting to kind of understand like how this lineage thing from woman Mm -hmm. to woman to woman is actually becoming evident. But, you know, it it breaks somehow or it doesn't show up in, 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 in male children. Actually, it's not so much male children. Let me just sort of step back a bit and say that know of one man who had fibromyalgia. I I met him when I was at OISE and he admitted that he had fibromyalgia. And and it was around the time that I was beginning to find out that it's something that's predominant with women and that men tend not to have it. So when he admitted it in class, uh, when he was talking with us one day, I thought, really? But this is supposed to be a woman's issue. So much so that when you go to male doctors in that interim period that I spoke about, they would say to women, it's all in your head. Like there's nothing to this 
notion that you have fibromyalgia, like there's nothing to it, you know, like it's, it's just something that you're telling yourself and, you know, there's no real, like, forget about it kind of thing was almost the message that I was getting. So the symptoms that you were having with numbness in your hands and not being able to move your leg, they were just like, you're imagining this, this, you're manifesting this in your brain. Just one male doctor. Thank goodness. I went to, to female doctors after that. And they got it. It was like, yeah, you have fibromyalgia. Okay. They wanted to put me on, at the time, there was not much that could be used, but they wanted to put me on a pharmaceutical. And I said, I don't think so. Can I try good old acupuncture? I think that'll work. And they kind of looked at me and said, yeah, you think so? And it did work because what it, what it was doing, the acupuncture was kind of, you know, zapping the energy. So it was short-circuiting what was going on in my body that had, had led to me having fibromyalgia. Got it. Okay. Well, that's interesting. So it, it, while it's predominantly on women, there are, you know, a few cases mm-hmm. of men who have it, but yeah. Wow. So what's really interesting here is this condition, this illness that you, you know, developed as, as a young woman ended up being, you know, the trigger that helps you figure out what you wanted to kind of study as you, as a doctor and, and write your dissertation and thesis. So you kind of took this you know, for lack of a better word, negative thing that happened to you and you turned it into something quite powerful and wonderful. And it's led you down to having a, you know, a new career and uh, a passion for discovering intergenerational spirit injury. So I guess, are, would you say you're grateful for that fibromyalgia? Yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting question or an interesting statement. I guess maybe I am. Because you'll often hear people say, you know, like, why are we here? And, and, and I think I'd like to suppose that maybe that's why I'm here, to help women, particularly, to deal with the many challenges that we have. Because we, we do have a lot of challenges, physically, mentally, emotionally. And maybe that's why I'm here. So you had to kind of go through that experience personally, which kind of led you down a path to to go down the wonderful rabbit hole of investigating this area in which probably not many people study or focus on and bring it to light and and share that gift with other people. That's what I'm hoping. That's what I believe. Yes. Oh, awesome. All right. So Dr. Helen, tell us a little bit about what you have going on right now. What are you focusing on? Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you and this study of intergenerational spirit injury that you have? Where can people find you? Okay, they can find me uh, on my website, which is under construction. They can also email me and they can attend my healing circles. I have healing circles where I'm not doing the healing, where I encourage women to talk because we need to talk and we are our best supporters and we can actually find ways of healing ourselves. So I I also offer that opportunity for women as well to just gather and talk and, and in talking, heal themselves. So are these events online? Are they in person? They are, Where can they find them? Okay, they are on Zoom. I can, can I give my email address? Yeah, so we'll put that all in the show notes and we'll make sure that people are connected. Yeah. But if, yeah. if you want to just let us know what your website is and, and your email address now, I'm sure people are listening and then can okay, jot it down. Okay, so my website, which is under construction, is Dr. Helen Z, 
www.ethicsmartwomen.com. And my email address is info at drhelenz.com. Okay, great. And how often do you do these healing circles? I do the healing circles twice a month. They are free, but, you know, if people want to donate, they, they can. But essentially, they're free and, and they're international. I've had women show up the States in and the, the beautiful island that I was born, where I was born, Bermuda. I've had people show up from Bermuda and from parts of the States at my healing circle. So again, an advantage of COVID, you know, I mean, we started to, to do things online and I used to do my healing circles in person and I pivoted to recently doing them online. And now I can have these international audiences or, or not even audiences, but international members. And community. Mm-hmm. Excellent. All right. Well, we will be sure to list all of that great stuff in the show notes. So thank you, Dr. Helen. Is there anything else you want to share with, with the audience today? You know, you know, something that you wanted to, your, your big takeaway from your experience and, you know, maybe some advice of, you know, what now, what for other people who may be going through something similar that you did, what, what would you say is something that's you'd want to impart some knowledge on? I would say one thing that that would be helpful would be meditating. And if one is not familiar with meditating, uh, guided meditation works. And you can Google various guided meditations and, and, and do that as a practice. Also, just a little bit of journaling helps. Uh, and it doesn't have to be anything lengthy. Just you know, grab a book and just write down thoughts, just write down what's in you, what's coming up for you. And, and another thing that's really, really helpful is creativity. Creativity is connected with wellness. So if we can be creative in one way, shape or form, and it doesn't mean we have to become an artist, but what can we do that's creative? And in terms of the very first energy center or chakra, which is the root chakra, Let's get in touch with nature. And I'm not going to say necessarily hug a tree, although I do have somebody tell me that they did that recently. But, you know, get in with nature, you know, go out and do some planting, bring some flowers into your condo unit, your house, your apartment, and, and kind of connect with nature that way. So meditating, journaling, and being one with nature. I think that those may help and, and it may trigger thoughts and issues that one is suppressing and needing to deal with. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I learned so much. And, you know, I, I, I believe I know a couple of people in my life who actually have fibromyalgia. So I will be sure to be sharing this episode with them so that they can, you know, take it away and maybe do some own research of their own of how they potentially could heal their body in a more natural way and not the pharmaceutical way, but in, in other modalities and, and practices. So thank you so much, Dr. Helen. Thank it was a so joy much. having you on the show today. And I really appreciate you sharing so much of your knowledge. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what else you do as it relates to intergenerational spirit injury. I think that's such a cool title. You are thank an you. intergenerational I'm... spirit injury interventionist. So you actually help people yes, <laughs> figure that out because that's probably not something that they're like, Ooh, let's go dig into my past and, and know how to kind of dig out some of those stories that could be the, the triggers for them. Right. For sure. 
Excellent. All right. Well, that is it for us today. Thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it more than I can say. Did you love this episode of I Just Blank? Now what? If you did, be sure to subscribe on your fave podcast platform. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. I do love reading them. And if you know somebody who's experiencing this story or something similar, please share this episode with them. It just might help them figure out the answers to their own now what questions. Have you recently had a now what moment and aren't sure what to do? Reach out to me at jessicastevens.ca and submit your story and I'll help you figure out what to do, how to move forward and help you answer now what. See you on the next episode.